Um, yeah, I mean, it's clear that James has, I mean, probably, yeah, the most power that, of course, the Rockets have ever seen. Um, for everything that they give, give, give him, he, of course, is going to, you know, keep taking. And I think that because he has that power, he does let it get to him. And <clears throat> that's why, you know, he's out doing whatever he wants in Atlanta, in, you know, Vegas, while the team's still practicing. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. We are back here inside the studios of WNSC, episode 17, season three of our show. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray, from the tri-state area. Not a good weekend for him as a Giants fan, but nevertheless, my boy is uprighteous and he's keeping his head up. What's going on, Mike? I'll tell you what, Sammy. This weather is terrible. I mean, we, we 28 degrees, 25 degrees, uh, snow, snow about to come 12 to 8 inch, 18 inches. This weather is terrible, Sevy. Uh, but but at the end of the day, we're still going to keep pushing. Uh, something I'm not used to, I'm going to have to get adjusted to it. But uh, it's, it, it's getting crazy up here. How's everything doing down south? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful down here. You oh, know man. what I'm saying? It's hot. It's hot annually. But I know you're freezing your butt out there. I know you're hey, freezing man, this- your butt up there. Hey man, when when I tell you, look, when, when J. Cole said on, on his song January 28th, when he said for 11 years straight I took on New York's climate, I don't know how he took on this climate for 11 years. Because this, I, I'm on my first year and it's getting crazy. But uh, it's all good. It's just something to adapt to. It's all good. Make sure you be a bear, man. Stay indoors and stay hibernated. <laughs> don't yeah. come outside. That's the best thing uh, we can come up to you. Nevertheless, uh, we'll make sure that you keep stay heated. Stay indoors in 28-degree weather. <laughs> um, you're not accustomed to plowing and snowing, snowing plows outside, are you? <laughs> no, nah, not at all. It's, I mean, I, I used to do it. I used to do it every once in the blue moon down south when it would snow, but no, nah, it's not something I, that that's a regular thing every year for me. No problem as, as well. And we start off our show today, Mike, with the NFL, and it wouldn't be right unless we start off with, with the events that happened on Monday night in Cleveland Perhaps the game of the year, because if that's not game of the year, it's going to be awfully tough for another game to top what we saw there. 
I mean, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson Jr., the phenomenal, the reigning MVP put on a show. You saw why he was the reigning MVP. His, his, his whole arsenal and his whole game, Mike, was in full display on Monday night in Cleveland. The Ravens battle-tested, facing adversity through COVID, not being able to touch their teammates, interact with them, going into a game, Mike, where they're staring at 7-5 and five in a wild-card hunt, looking outside and looking in, and they, this was a game that they had to get amidst everything, Mike. They go into Cleveland, and they get a victory. Lamar Jackson, remarkable, 125 on the ground, over another 180 through the air, a couple touchdowns on the ground and the air. And now Baltimore not only wins both season meetings against the Browns, but also sends a text message to the AFC saying, if we get in, we're going to spell trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baltimore's going to spell trouble just because of the, the culture and the mystique of that team. It's, it's crazy. But for, as far as this, this Monday goes, as far as the game against the Browns, you have a situation where, Sebi, even though the Browns have been playing lights out over the past few weeks, the majority of the season, and even though the Ravens have been struggling, whenever they match up with each other, it always has that little brother, big brother feel with the Ravens being the big brother, even at 75. I mean, you know, they come into this game, they weren't worried, they weren't stressed out. Yes, they, they took the Browns serious, and they knew the Browns were going to come in and mo be motivated to try to win this game. But at the same time, you, you have a situation where Baltimore – looked like the more mature team early on, especially. Baltimore looked like the more poised teams, especially early on. Baltimore took care of their business running the football. They made plays on the defensive side. And it, it really it really hurt them. It really hurt them in the second half when, you know, the injury started to hamper that secondary. You had Jimmy Smith go down, uh, which took away one of their corners. You had Marcus Peters go down uh, with, the, with his injury. But he eventually came back. But then you had, uh, you know, that guy, number 33, Harris, he was out there put on the island. And the more they kept putting him on the island, Baker Mayfield and that offense kept, kept attacking him and kept targeting him. So it was, it, was a, it was a very good ball game. You know, <laughs> the people kept talking about the Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, leaving the game when it was 34-20 and coming back 34-35 when it was fourth down with the cramps. You know, he came back and he saw what had happened. And um, he came in on fourth down. It's not like he had a drive. To where he could warm up, he literally had to make that play on that in that crucial situation in order for them to keep this game going. Because if had he had he not made that play on fourth down, they probably would lose the game. And right. he kept, he kept it going. Baker Mayfield comes right back and he has a drive of his own to, to tie the game up. And then you have Lamar Jackson going down the field, and uh, Justin Tucker sends sends him home for the big win. This is a win the Baltimore Ravens needed. They came into this game knowing that it was no hose ball. They have to continue to win in order to have a shot at the playoffs and, and, and keep this race going with Miami. And uh, they, they got the job done. And right now, the, that, that was one of the toughest uh, one of the toughest games on the remainder of their schedule. They got that out the way against a, a tough divisional opponent, and they, have, they handled their business. Now they have three more games. There's a strong possibility with the rest of their schedule that they can finish this season 11-5. And to be honest with you, Sebi, Lamar Jackson, based on the fact that the first two years that he had to play home court, yeah, he had the home court advantage in the playoffs. Going on the road in the playoffs might be the best thing for him because if you look at how he's played on the road this year, he's actually played very well on the road. And this Ravens team has galvanized uh, around him on the road this year. They, they, he takes care of the ball a lot better. It's just that they're a more cohesive unit on the road. So going on the road for the playoffs to get your first playoff win might not be such a bad thing for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens this year.
Yeah, I agree. I agree, Mike. They've got huge road wins at Cleveland, at Indianapolis. Both of those two teams are in the playoffs. They've got huge, other huge uh, road wins as well um, at Houston. So um, you're right. Lamar Jackson has been fantastic, fantastic throwing the football on the road. But I, I learned a lot about this Browns team, Mike. I Even through this loss, I still – think this isn't the old browns this yeah, this this browns team showed me guts resiliency being down uh double digits and being able to come back even when lamar hit uh and that fourth down hit hollywood brown on that 44 yard touchdown you saw baker mayfield poised calm cool collected he had moxie mike he came in that drive and a couple first downs marched them down the field and then obviously the the game tying touchdown to Kareem Hunt uh, for them to tie the ball game before Justin Tucker, who's arguably one of the greatest kickers to ever play the game. Oh, man. He's amazing. He's amazing. He is. He is, Mike. <laughs> Anything short of 50 to 55 yards is pretty much money for him. But I, I learned about this Browns team. I learned a lot. I, I thought in a – I didn't know how Baker would be in a prime time under the bright lights type of moment. And um, the, the, the moment what didn't phase him – he was collected. Uh, he made the throws that he needed, and and you know the blame can't go to him and Stefanski. It's gotta gotta. There's gotta be some sort of acknowledgement towards the defense led by Miles and those guys. And so um, I I learned a lot about this Browns team. I think this isn't the Browns old team anymore. I think they're trending around the right direction, and I w- it wouldn't surprise me if they win a road game in these playoffs. When you look at how when you look at how this team is constructed, they play great defense and they run the football. That's the recipe for road wins any, no matter where you are. Like, no matter what team you play against, no matter where you go. So this Browns team, yes, this is not the old Browns team. Baker Mayfield played one of his best games this year. And uh, I was very impressed with the performance that they put out there. They just made some, some uh, undisciplined plays, especially in the second half on defense, that really cost them this game. But you're right, this is not the old Browns team. And whoever, they, whoever the matchup is in the playoffs is going gonna, is gonna to have their hands full. Agreed, agreed there for sure. Another team that showed me a lot, Mike, was the Miami Dolphins uh, playing the defending champions in Miami. The Chiefs going back to the Holy Grail where they won Super Bowl 54 in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And in that game, uh, Travis Kelsey, seven catches, over 100 yards and a touchdown. He did that again against Miami in the same venue. Seven catches, over 100 yards, and two touchdowns this time. I, I learned a lot about Miami, Mike. I, this is a Miami team where, you know, if they've been battle tested, they've been, you know, having, you know, quarterback in issues with Fitzpatrick and Tua going down. But, man, this defense is exceptional. Second in the NFL in fewest points allowed. You've got arguably a trio of the best corners, cover corners in the NFL, Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, and the greatness of Xavier Howard, who's an all-pro. So this Miami team, they forced Patrick Mahomes, Mike, into something that we've never seen before. And that is, we they forced Patrick Mahomes to three interceptions. The defense got two sacks up front, led by Shaq Lawson. This Miami defense, man, if they get in, they are a real deal because in postseason, your offense may not travel, but your defense might. And this defense leads the NFL in interceptions. Xavier Howard has his fifth straight game of an INT. I mean, I learned a lot about this Miami defense and a lot of the Miami team as a whole, rather 
than the Chiefs getting the job done in Miami. Yeah, yeah, that Dolphins defense, they looked sharp early on. Like, you saw they, the pressure that they were getting on Patrick Mahomes. It was crazy, like, because you, you really had it. You really thought that because you intercepted Patrick Mahomes twice, the way that they did, the pressure that they was getting on them, the, 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 way, the way that their corners were playing, every, it was just a cohesive unit out there. You really felt like this defense had carried them to a win because you knew you knew on the other side, if it became a shootout, Tua Tagovailoa did not have what it takes in order to keep keep up with Patrick Mahomes. So once Patrick Mahomes, once they went up to nothing and the Kansas City Chiefs went on for 30 straight points, we knew it was over. This offense, is, and you saw just how explosive this team can be. So I was I was very impressed with with, with uh, Miami's defense early on, but you just saw how just just how explosive this Kansas City offense can be and how they could just turn it off and on whenever whenever they fall into some adversity. Yeah, I agree. I agree there as well. The Kansas City Chiefs, after trailing 10-0, scored touchdowns, Mike, on four straight possessions oh, after. This is just unbelievable how good they are on offense. Uh, other teams and other big news, uh, let's talk about your Giants. Not a topic that you want to talk about when they lose, but got to talk about it when they win or lose. Kyler Murray, I thought this was a huge win for the Cardinals, Mike. Being able in NFC West, you already have the Rams on top of the leaderboard and now Seattle behind them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at it and you're third in the standings. They had to get this game in New York. Um, the defense stepped up, Mike. And how about the young rookie? The young rookie that I said that should have went top two, top three overall. He went eighth to the Arizona Cardinals. And that is... Mr. Simons, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. My five sacks, five sacks um, that day of the Giants defense. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they did duo things. Um, this is a huge win for the Birds. Yeah, it was. It was a win that they desperately needed. That's one of the reasons why I was so worried about this game as a, as a Giants fan because Arizona had just coming off losing three straight, and we know how good this team is. We know how potent this offense is. And we know how good this defense can be, especially when, when they come together and they're a, a, a close-knit unit. So this was a scary game for the Giants, but I knew we had an opportunity to win. I was excited when Daniel Jones got back, but I was hoping that if he came back, he would at least come back 80 to almost 100% healthy. But there's no way that he could have been because the injury was so recent. It was so new. So we so once I saw him out there and I saw how they were using him, they were barely calling any running plays for him. And, and knowing that that's a key factor in our offense and, and, and being unique within our offense, they didn't call any real run plays for him. They had him back there looking like a statue. And he was a sitting duck in most cases. Arizona just feasted on him and got pressure on him because our offensive, offensive line as a total unit did not play as, as well as they should have. And it showed. It so, you know, Arizona was all, all over the field and all in the backfield making plays, and, and it, led, it led to them having a great defensive game. Our defense did not play well. We also, outside of the offense, we also didn't, we also didn't help help our help our defense on the offensive side. Um, we had two turnovers early on in this game that really cost us bad, Sebi. Two 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 big time turnovers and. That you can't do that against a good team, and then offensively, when you can't generate points and you can't generate first downs to keep your defense off the field, that's exactly what you saw with the Giants. It was a, um, it was a great win by Arizona. They controlled the game throughout. They made the plays they needed to make the win, and the Giants, um, it just, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't even close to enough that, um, against a great team. Agreed, agreed, that for sure. Uh, Arizona getting a huge win. The Giants going back to the drawing board. <clears throat> 
as they are in contention in the NFC East. And speaking of a new leader in the NFC East, it is the Washington Redskins, Mike's hometown, the formerly known Redskins, and now the Washington football team. I think Chase Young has put the league in notice, Mike, and he's about wrapped up the Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, award. Award I I thought that uh, Buccaneers uh, uh, safety um, Antoine Wickfield Jr. had at one point, but man, oh man, Chase Young is going to be good for a very long time. I predict my 10 plus sacks for about 10 plus years each year for this guy. He's unbelievable. He can stop the run, very disruptive. And then, of course, he's talented enough to get after your quarterback. And he's also good enough that if you run away from him, he's fast enough to come and chase you down. So it, it might not be a smart thing to run away from. He's just a transcendent talent. And he's got not only Ron Rivera's team thinking big things in the postseason, but also Alex Smith and everybody else in that Washington football team organization. Yeah, definitely. Washington is on a roll right now, um, especially on the defensive side. Chase Young is unbelievable. He's he's definitely uh, one of the leading candidates, if not the leading candidate, for the defensive rookie of the year. He's been playing absolutely sensational, especially this game against San Francisco. In that first half, he was all over the field. You felt like he was the one who who really took over and was one of the main reasons why they went up 13-7, to scoring that defensive touchdown. It was great. The Washington defense was the MVP for this game, and it's been their MVP over the last four or five weeks. Uh, They've been impressive. The defensive line has come together. They're finally all healthy together, and this Washington team is very well. Offensively is where I feel like they'll have their biggest challenges, especially with the health of Alex Smith, and uh, we'll see what the the quarterback uh, position looks like for them. But Washington looks very good right now on on all three phases, and these next three games – it's um it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna come down to the end of the week to see who's going to win this division. Yep, only trailing the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most sacks in the NFL, but that front seven, Mike. I mean, they've got yeah. five first round picks in the top five. They hit jackpot. Um, these guys are flying around the field. Um, so we'll we'll see what type of damage that they can do if they get themselves into the playoffs. Now leading the NFC East. When we come back. Myself and Mike will go ahead and talk about the NBA preseason action. A lot of things that's been going on. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live in Stite Studio Z. Back here in the Savvy Podcast Radio Show, myself and Michael Gray. We look now to the NBA. Preseason is in full throttle, full swing, Mike. Um, any teams that stood out to you thus far uh, throughout just a small sample size in the NBA preseason? A uh, small sample size, yeah. I, saw, I was very impressed with New Orleans the other day. I saw, I saw New Orleans last night. Zion looked good. Zion's impressed me because he looks like he lost about 25, 30 pounds. So he's yes, really, he has, Mike. He has. He's took, He's taking this offense, uh, this offseason very serious and making sure he's getting in basketball shape. You know, it's one thing when you're in college, but it's another thing when you're in the NBA and, you know, you're going against grown men every day, you're running up and down that court. Yes, yeah, um, your conditioning is vital. So, and um, it's good. I'm glad to see him taking care of his body. New Orleans looks like they could be uh, even special, even more special than they were last year. Brandon Ingram looks like he's going to take that next step this year. 
and um, just looked like another all-star. So I was very impressed with New Orleans. Obviously, I was impressed with Brooklyn. Seeing the cohesion early on with KD and Kyrie, uh, you know, you know, KD's rusty. He hasn't played in about 18 months, you know, but he still was able to look fluent in some ways, get an easy bucket to dunk to start his day off. It was uh, it was nice in Brooklyn, and Kyrie just looked like Kyrie. I mean, 18 points in 17 minutes, boogieing on people. I mean, on the court, that that's that's, that's it's Kyrie Irving. So uh, Brooklyn <laughs> is very Brooklyn, Brooklyn is very special. Uh, I, I expect I expect them to to definitely make some noise in the Eastern Conference. But New Orleans and Brooklyn were two teams that really stood out to me. One one of them to me is your hometown, the Wizards, Mike. Uh, they're mm-hmm. very impressive to me. I I actually think a trio of Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and Danny of Avinda Avida Avida yeah, 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 yeah I can't remember yeah, his name yeah, yeah. I think he is the most Luka Doncic type player in this draft and here's why yeah. obviously I don't think he's gonna have the the success right away that Luka's had Luka's transcending one of a kind but um similar games similar prototypical size Avida six ten uh Luka six eight they both can handle the rock they could shoot they don't need the ball to be more do- ball dominant and um with the success that Luca and Kristaps Porzingis and these international guys have had early on in their careers, I think more GMs and scouts are more valuable now. They're, they're, they're capable of taking these guys high up now. And I know he fell ninth, but from what I saw in just a few minutes, 12 points and just a debut, I think they can have another added weapon for Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook who, most dominantly are going to have the predominantly have the ball in their hands. So Scott Brooks, he has options now. And I love what I saw from Rui Hachimura as, as well. Mm-hmm. He seemed Mikey, like he put some pounds on him as well in the off season. So um, Washington, they're, they're going to be in that mix at the end of the year for maybe one of those six, seven or eight playoff teams that's trying to get into that last uh, three final spots. So Washington has impressed me as well. And then of course, Steph Curry. I, I think people yeah. tend to forget yeah. Mike. This guy was a back-to-back league MVP. In fact, one of those years, he was unanimous. Um, Shaq, Kareem, Kobe, Michael, uh, Oscar, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Bird, none of them were ever unanimous MVPs. There was only one, and it was not even Hakeem. It was Steph Curry. And I think he's going to revert to that, Mike, this year um, because there's no Klay Thompson. There's no uh, Kevin Durant where you have to share the ball. He's going to get up to around 18 to 22 shots a game. And he shoots it at a high clip and a very high premium. So um, I, I think the Warriors as well are, well, from my estimation, are going to be a top six seed in the West. And he's going to be a reason why. And it wouldn't shock me to see him in the MVP race later on in this season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I love your Wizards pick that. Um, the Wizards, they look very impressive. And you're right, this this guy, this guy, Look, this guy, Aviza, he look, he looks special. He he really does. I was actually impressed to watch him do his thing along with Rui looking looking well. You know who else I thought looked well for the Wizards too? Thomas Bryant. I mean, Thomas Bryant is somebody I've been paying attention to for the last couple of years and watching his growth at the center position. Uh, just seeing how his game is flexed out even more. His, his outside game has gotten better over the years, and he he looks like he's gonna he's gonna continue to take that next step and really show. So people, what he's made up. So all across the board, you look at where the Wizards are. The Wizards are, are a potential playoff team, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, a lot of teams there. Um, other big news uh, here as well: LeBron James and the Lakers. They've looked very impressive too, Mike. Um, they haven't been playing, but um, a beating 
and a butt whooping that they've put in against the team that's right across the street from them against the Clippers. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're playing. I think this is a very motivated Clippers team. I know a lot of people has gotten kind of rooting them out because of the disappointment last year, but I, I think Ty Lue is going to have these guys playing for something, especially with the contract that George just got. He even mentioned and said that he feels rewarded to give back to the Clippers for rewarding that um, there for them. Um, but small sample size, I like how the Lakers have been playing as well, Mike. Uh, this young guy that they got, um, Tucker Horton or, or something like that, undrafted uh, rookie, um, starting to make a household name for himself in Staples Center. Um, the rich just get richer for the purple and gold. Definitely. And it's, 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 it's big time for the Lakers. The Lakers are on a, a back-to-back time. All they're thinking about is going back-to-back. All LeBron James are thinking about is going back-to-back. These guys, uh, they, they they just continue to add pieces. And when you look how good, my, how, when you see how well Montrezl Harold has looked in the Lakers uniform, that's what impresses me the most because his motor is one of the things that had me very excited about the Clippers last year. So seeing that motor go to the Lakers, that just adds fuel to the fire. We already know what we're going to get out of those two superstars, but the others, they, they've definitely shored up the, the, the rest of this team. And they're, they're, on, they're on a mission for back-to-back. Um, I'm, just, I'm not saying it's a guarantee it's going to happen, but – they they put themselves in a great position so far. They have their sights held high um, for going back-to-back uh, for sure. Giannis Satanakumpo, five-year, $228 million, the highest contract in league history, and well-deserved guy. Um, Mike, back-to-back league MVP, 19-20, and 20, defensive player of the year. Only three men has done that in the same season. Michael in 88, Hakeem in 94, and, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo this past season in the 2020 uh, bubble format season. Giannis is just uh, – he's, he's well-deserving, like the freak nickname that he's got. I mean, freakish athlete, um, very dominant, especially in the low post paint. Only second to Shaq in a modern era in points in the paint. And so he's been rewarded in Milwaukee. But, Mike, have the Milwaukee Bucks done enough to surround him to get that – um, that coveted title that he so desperately won. You know, they brought in DJ Augustine. They brought in Brian Forbes, who's a knockdown shooter from uh, the Spurs. They brought in Drew Holiday, a, a true point guard that can impact both ends like Bledsoe can, but also is more of an offensive weapon late in games that they can put the ball in his hands and he can get, create a shot. So have the Bucks done enough, do you think, um, to surround Giannis for the best team possible to win a championship? No, they haven't uh, done done enough yet, but they're heading in the right direction. Like the, the moves that they're making are special. We know how special Drew Holiday is offensively, but especially defensively on the perimeter for them. And, you know, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton is Chris Middleton. We, he, he, his, he, he has number two value and he shows up in, in, in some moments, but he can be very inconsistent at times. And, and, and that's been his downfall, especially in certain playoff situations when they needed him most. So to add Drew Holiday to that, that'll free up Chris Middleton even more. And we know what Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to do. You have to surround shooters around him. You have to put some, some, some guys that, that can get the ball in the hole on a consistent level, and that's what's going to make it better for him. But also, I, I, I know, I know we, we talk a lot about, you know, has the Bucks done enough to help Giannis out, you know, as far as, you know, potentially winning a championship and things like that. But at the same time, I think most of us, and I think we're starting to do that, most of us need to start looking at Giannis. 
and the, the improvements he needs to make to his own game to further help this team win a championship. If he continues to add an outside shot, even a mid-range shot, a consistent mid-range shot to some degree, or even a, 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 a mid to a mid to high level three point shot and just be more versatile with his skill set as far as his uh, shooting ability and, uh, and, and not being so predictable for when the playoffs come around, then that would be another recipe for uh, them, them to help win the championship along with the other weapons that they have. Giannis has to add more to his game. Giannis has to do more for his uh, value to add up in order for defenders to be more worried about other parts of his game in order to help this team go take the next level. So, it's, it's along with I don't believe feel like they have enough around him yet, but at the same time he needs to improve his game at a higher level as well. It's two things you got to look at this like this. The first one is the key one, um, you know Giannis. That's that's cute, you know, and that's cool resigning with the Bucks. But you you look at the history of the Bucks. It has never been like a desired location for free agents, for marquee Crazy. free agents to come in. Obviously, we understand it's a small market location. It's in the cold. You know, not a lot of guys are, you know, you see that as an attractive place to play. But when you have a guy like Giannis, you just never know. So that's equation one. On the other side of the equation here is the right, the one that you mentioned, Mike. Has he done enough, you know, in his game to kind of expand and, and to be able to play in the postseason, we know what you're going to get from Giannis in the regular season. He's going to be, at worst, a runner-up candidate uh, for league MVP. But in the postseason, that's when teams get to game plan for you in a seven-game series. They get to yeah. know your tendencies. They know that you want to go left and then t- turn back right. So there are people standing there wait- waiting to get charges. They understand that. In transition, when you're coming downhill, we're ready to create a wall. So in the postseason, is he going to be able to hit that 15, 18-foot jump shot? Is he going to be able to knock down some threes to kind of keep the defense afloat and not, you know, be predictable and telegraph the kind of moves that he's going to make? I think that's the next step um, for them as well. But uh, a third thing is, is I, I think Boonehoser got to go, Mike. I, 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 I'm Mike Boonehoser. I'm not going to say he can't coach 61 seasons in Atlanta. He did it with Horford, Schroeder. Kyle Korver had a career year that year. But, you know, great regular season coach. But in the postseason we've seen in the past, hasn't delivered. 2019 with, with you know, up 2-0 and Nick Nurse making changes. And then in Atlanta – they were the number one seed, 60 wins, didn't get swept by Kyrie and LeBron James in the playoffs. So those are key things that I'm looking for for this uh, uh, Bucks organization and John Horst. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, you brought up a great point about uh, Budenholzer. We know he can coach his butt off in the regular season and galvanize the troops and can keep them locked in and focused for an 82-game season. But uh, you're right, in the playoffs, we've seen his success dwindle and um, – that, that we're seeing a reoccurring theme. It's one thing if we, we continue to see improvement, but we continuously see a reoccurring theme in the coaching patterns. And um, uh, year by year, we're gonna, his, 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 his seat is always going to be on the line, not in the playoff, not in the regular season. You're going to start seeing him on the hot seat if they really start to dwindle in the regular season. Like what's really saving Budenhoser right now, in my opinion, is the fact that he continues to have 61 seasons, has this team always fighting for first or second in the, in the Eastern Conference over the past couple of years, especially ever since he's really come to prominence with this team. So it, that's what's really saving him. Once the regular season wins start to go down and the, that production isn't as, as great as it was or, or as high level as it used to be, then you'll really start to see 
the media jump on them and everybody say, oh, well, is this, is this the time to move on from Budenholzer? Is he the problem? It's, it, those those questions are going to come up. And um, that's why it's even more imperative and more hard, more, more imperative for them to get some help around Giannis and for Giannis to up his game because you continuously play at a high level. You, you, you you'll, you'll be fighting for your coach's job. <laughs> Definitely there for sure. Other big team in the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers, Mike. We know the nucleus that they have with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but have they done enough to position themselves to be in the mix to contend for a conference title spot or even an NBA final spot? Uh, They brought in veterans like Seth Curry. They brought in guys like Tance Ferguson, get more wing and athleticism out on the perimeter. They brought in the veterans like Danny Green, you know, he has championship pedigree, three-time champion, multiple teams. Um, and, and now they're trying to surround shooters around Ben Simmons and Embiid. So they brought in Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers. They're trying to change the culture in Philadelphia. But I think it starts with the two guys up front. They're pillar players in Embiid and Simmons. So where, what's the fate of the Sixers? What are you looking at there? Have, have they improved in your eyes? They have improved to some degree because they, one of the one of the biggest problems we had for the 76ers last year was their shooting, especially from the outside. When you get a guy like Seth Curry, you know, when you put pieces together like him, you, you've always had the defense, the perimeter defense, the front line defense or with or with Embiid and Horford in the backcourt. You always had the defense, uh, but offensively you were very challenged. And so, you know, Doc Rivers coming to this team, I feel like he's going to get the best out of um, – Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna do a good job in Philly. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna find what, what tweaks for them, get this cohesion back for this team. And as as their superstars go, this team goes. When Joel Embiid is on fire, when Ben Simmons is making plays, and and they and they come together, this is a scary bunch. But when there's when there's a loss of identity, or when there's there's friction, or when there, there's there's just not a quick, or somebody gets hurt, and the other one only only one of them has to take over. That's when you start to see the problems for this Philly team. They, they, they start to arrive very, very fast. So it's, it's going to be interesting what I see from Philly. Philly is a team we, we've seen. If they're playing at a high level, then they can go almost all the way to the finals. But we've seen them play down the competition, especially on the road last year. So They were atrocious really on the road last year. Yeah, atrocious, atrocious. So it's really a hit and miss conversation when you bring up the Sixers. You know, it's really about which Sixers team is going to show up. Uh, they, you know, are they going to bring that consistency? And that's what Doc Rivers is for. Yeah, agreed. Uh, they've brought in Dwight Howard as well to kind of back up Dwight, um, to back up exactly. Jordan B. They've done some great stuff, I'll admit, in the offseason. But I still got question marks for the Sixers team. Um, it, it's I'm not sure if it's maturity. I'm not sure if it's leadership. Who is the true leader in that Sixer locker room? Can we definitively point out, is Joel Embiid the leader? Is it Ben Simmons uh, the leader? But also, you know, the same thing that you mentioned about Giannis expanding his game and actually pointing at him, to, has he actually grown? Well, has Ben Simmons grown? Because at least with Giannis, mm-hmm. we can say that he'll attempt the 15 to 8 foot, 18 foot jump shots and he'll attempt yeah. the threes. Rather, he, you know, he misses them or airballs them. With, with, with Ben Simmons, there, there aren't any attempts. I mean, he's not looking to even shoot the ball. He's looking to no drive in the paint right? and kick out. So, uh, that that's the other question mark that you have with Philadelphia, Mike. It definitely is, and I'm glad you brought that up because, but you're right, Ben Simmons won't even attempt it. And you know, the regular season he looks well, it, 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 everything looks fine because uh, you know one game, 
one game against somebody. But like you said, when you just like Giannis, when you go and watch film and you get to study a person play, you take away the limitations in crucial situations. That's when you have to rely on your skill set to make it happen. And we just haven't seen that improvement from Ben Simmons over the years. We know how good of a, a defender he is and how he gets players involved and things of that nature. But in, in today's NBA, you have to score. You have to be able to score the basketball. You have to be able to put the ball in the hole in different ways in order to really maximize your your value. And and we haven't seen that consistently from Ben. And we'll see what Doc Rivers can do with this team. Like they go as far as their superstars superstars go, in my opinion. Sabi. Agreed, agreed. I think they really missed JJ Redick when he left. When they that, in that that rookie season when he had Bellinelli and JJ Redick, that offense yeah. was just an absolute juggernaut. Now we'll see if Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, if they can continue surrounding those players with shooters around them. But when we come back, we'll stick with the NBA. A dear friend of mine from H-Town, Andrea Gregg, joins us to talk Rockets ball, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live here inside Studio Z. We are back here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show. You might not know the next guest, but here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show, we've got them all. A dear pal of mine, Miss Andrea Gregg, beat reporter for the Rockets and writer of House of Houston, is here with us today. Dre, what is going on? <laughs> hey, I'm good. Nothing much going on, you know, just regular season stuff, trying to get my life together before season got you got you that's just we lost you there for a little bit but uh we hear you there before we start and talk about the rockets i I gotta uh, ask you the question so um james harden he lost all he gained back all that weight that he lost in the bubble um so i gotta ask you is it Really, all that is it really the strip club wings? Like, tell me what it is. Like, what's yeah. going on? Is it the, the strip club wings? Is it really that good to make you gain back 20 pounds? <laughs> Houston, the food's better than the entertainment. That's why he, uh, yeah, that's why he's not in the same shape that he was before season. You know, Justin had him right before the bubble and. I guess, you know, you can't stop James when they're in an off season. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say uh, that's thanks to the strip club food and uh, bowl more food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know friend. James got a reputation for being on the clubs with LaBaby, Travis Scott, and all the rest of them. But in the hardwood, <laughs> um, he is arguably one of the greatest scorers that we've ever seen. Um, talk to us about the situation right now in Houston, him – not really on the same page with the organization. It seems like they're turning the page. Steven Silas is the coach. What 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 is James' uh, time now? He's entering his twelfth season in the league. Uh, where is his head at at the moment? 
Um, if I had to say, I would say that, I mean, it's clear that he wants out. Um, I don't know if he saw his last interview. He kind of made it seem like as of right now, since he is still here, he's going to invest in the team. But, I mean, James is honestly like a modern-day Dennis Rodman. He can do whatever he wants. He can go to the club. He can go to the strip club till, you know, 6 a.m., wake up for practice the next morning, and then drop 50 in the game that night. So you really can't tell him anything. And I think that um, Steven Silas coming in as a new coach, uh, kind of some new coaching staff, I think that they're kind of giving him that free reign. That's why they really haven't um, – you know, implemented any rules to him. So they're just letting him be the, you know, modern day Dennis Rodman. Um, because at the end of the day, you really can't tell James anything, you know, he's going to do what he wants and he's still going to perform. Um, but yeah, as of right now, he definitely wants out. Um, it's a, a many stories why he wants out. I am not going to speak on which one I think it is because at this point, you, you don't know. Unless we hear from James Mouth himself, it could there's a thousand stories as to why he wants to leave. Um, but, I mean, seeing him uh, last night, I mean, he's he looks bigger uh, in terms of his weight. But, I mean, I still think he's, you know, back to the same James, same 50-point James. Um, so he's investing in the team as of right now. Um, whether he leaves or not, uh, I still think it's going to be a good season for the Rockets. Yeah, definitely. Andrea, talk to me about how the, the city of Houston and all the fans uh, felt once Russell Westbrook got traded for John Wall. Like, it was how how was the local media? How were the fans? How did they take it? Um, the fans. I think that. I mean, I feel like in Houston, if you're a Rockets fan, it's kind of like Cowboys fan. You're going to be diehard regardless of who's on the team. Um, so Rockets kind of. Uh, our uh, Rockets fans, I feel like, are very good with, you know, adapting to different players. I think that it was definitely rough, rough for us to see Russ leave. But as you know, any NBA fan knows, getting John Wall is an amazing thing. Not only is John Wall an amazing player, uh, but he's also an all-around amazing man. Just the things that he does for his community, you know, the type of player he is, the type of leader that he is. Uh, I think we were sad to see Russ go, but I think that it was definitely a good uh, thing to see John Wall back. I mean, in Houston. Now. And, and as and as as a Wizard fan, we 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 felt the same way. Like we love John Wall for all the reasons you just said. He what he did for the community and everything. What he does off the court, along with the growth that we saw him with on the court, it was it was hard to see him go. But we were we can't say we weren't excited to give Russell Westbrook either. So it was it was it was a duo, you know. So it, <laughs> I know that's how we felt. Yeah, I. Yeah, once that news of John Wall hit that we got John Wall, my uh, my everybody was uh, hitting me up talking about how we're gonna love John Wall, how he's gonna be just an amazing man to, you know, report for, amazing man to see in the locker room. Um, I think that John Wall's characteristic as a man uh, surpass his, you know, abilities on the court, which says a lot about him because he's an amazing right, player. Right, he sure court. is. Now, talk, talk to me. Talk to me about the injury to Chris Clemens last night. I mean, it, it looked it looked bad, and it it just sucks to see a situation like that because on a team where there's there's where three point shooting is vital, he looked like he could have been another key component for the season added to that mix, and that 
in that rotation. Talk to me about uh, that Chris Clemens injury and, and what you're hearing about that. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. Um, he was definitely going to be a, a strong uh, shooter for us. Um, and I think that the information that I got, it was an Achilles tear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you hear anything different? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it looked like, and that's exactly what I heard. Yeah, I think just an Achilles tear to any athlete is just sad to see um, because I, just an Achilles tear for anybody to come back from is crazy. You have to do a lot of recovery. Um, so I don't think he's going to make it back this season, but it was like it was good to have him on the team. You know, he was going to be really strong for us, um, like you said, as far as shooting goes. So it's really uh, sad to see him get hurt, especially in a preseason game. Talk to me about um, Steven Silas. You know, we don't know a lot about about this guy. This is a guy that's been an assistant for Rick Carlisle in the Mavs for years now, and I'm talking years. And we're glad to see another brother, of course, in the NBA getting an opportunity. All right. We're, we're, we're trending towards the right direction here. Um, but talk to me about this guy. There's not a lot of right. – uh, uh, things about him. We don't know a lot about him and his resume, but w- what are you hearing from the organization and, and people close to you? Um, yeah, just the same, like you just said, I really don't know much about him either. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet him personally just yet, uh, but I think he's going to be a really good coach for the team in total, um, but also I think he's going to be really good for John Wall mm-hmm. and Boogie. Um, I think that he's adjusted really well, you know, to how the players have already played. I think that um, he's kind of adjusted to, you know, how they used to play. And now he's kind of like stepping in and changing a little, like changing a few things. But I think right now he doesn't want to change too much. But of course, I mean, last season they played small ball. So now they, you know, they got boogie guys like that. So they're obviously straying more away from the small ball. Um, I don't know much about him or his resume, but I think he's going to be a really good coach. I agree, coach I agree the there for sure. Talk to me about the Kentucky reunion, right, with John Wall and uh, Boogie. They obviously <laughs> did damage in college, but you know, we saw Steve Nash and Amari thrive in their 30s. Um, these guys are in their 30s too. Uh, they've kind of like, you know, had people think that maybe they don't got it anymore. Do you think this is an opportunity for them to – um, you know, reunite again and perhaps re, re, re- script that narrative and, and be able to have some of their best years in their 30s. Oh, that's definitely going to be what happens this season. Um, I don't know if you've watched any of their interviews, but they're definitely happy to be back together. Uh, and I mean, the, even the first two preseason games, they dominated the court without James. Um, I think that you can tell just by watching them play with each other on the court. Um, that's something that they really looked forward to as when they came for the rock, when they came to the Rockets, I'm really excited to see them back together. And I honestly feel like they're them two together are going to become some side, some sort of dynamic duo for Agreed sure. There. That pick and roll will be nice. Um, go ahead, Mike. Oh yeah, exactly. yeah absolutely. We, we know, we, we know how special they were in college and then now they're both mature and master the game, but, um, yeah, this Houston team, uh, with with everything with everything going on, we've we've seen in the past situations uh, with this Houston team where, you know, James Harden doesn't come into the season in the best shape possible, but after a few weeks, then he just turns it up to another level and 
he he looks like he should be in the conversation for an MVP. Do you see this being another one of those situations, or is this a concerning factor because mentally it, it almost feels like he's checked out of Houston? Um, this season, I don't know. I think that conversation is going to be hard to have about James just because exactly what you said. I feel like he's checked out and, yeah. you know, season hasn't even started. Unless, you know, there's a shift of energy and mindset in James, which if you, you know, if you know James, I don't think, I don't see that happening. So I think that he's going to kind kind of going to, you know, get out of that leadership role and where he steps down, I feel like John Wall is going to step up. Therefore, making that MVP uh, talk about James this season really hard to have, right. and it's really sad to see, honestly. Well, be, it was it was a lot of talks coming into this year with Steven Silas becoming the head coach because, you know, you just you just got a black coach in Houston. There were a lot of rumblings of, and people were mm-hmm. even more disappointed with James because it's like, why are you doing this on his watch? You know, in any situation, and was right. that was that some of the conversations that that were being had in, in, in Houston as well? Um, yeah, the fact that uh, Houston, the Houston Rockets have a black coach now is you know a big thing, and I feel like James, just where his head at right now, doesn't realize everything that's going to affect this season for the Rockets. Um, I have a brand new black head coach have some really good young bulls on the team. I just feel like he needs – like somebody needs to put him in check and he needs to realize, hey, I get it, you want to leave. But at this point, since you're here already and you're here right now, he needs to invest in this team because they can actually be an amazing team. And I think they're going to go further than last season for sure if James decides to finally – You know, you said something that was season. interesting to me. You said James is the modern Dennis Rodman. And uh, there's been a lot of reports in the media that um, throughout his nine seasons in Houston, James has had a lot of power. We're talking power as in like coaching staffs to head coaches. There was reports that he wanted Ty Lue and not Steven Silas. So um, do you think that now that's being detrimental because whatever James wants, he gets. He wanted Russell Westbrook, his teammate and from high school in L.A. He wanted to space the floor out and send Capella out for a trade so they can have more space for him to operate. So is that more of now an issue because James has had just this authoritative, absolute power this entire time since he's been in Houston? Um, yeah, I mean, it's clear that James has, I mean, probably, yeah, the most power that, of course, the Rockets have ever seen. Um, for everything that they give, give, give him, he, of course, is going to, you know, keep taking. And I think that because he has that power, he does let it get to him. And that's why, you know, he's out doing whatever he wants in Atlanta, in, you know, Vegas, while the team's still practicing. Um, I don't know if it's kind of an abuse of power at this point, um, because he does still perform well, um, so at, at this point, I don't know really how to answer that question because other than, you know, in my opinion, Dennis Rodman, I've never seen anybody with this type of power, you know, this type of, in a sense, lack of, I guess, focus off the court, but then still remains focused on the court. I don't I don't really yeah, know. With no, that I, I would agree. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that kind of like what you said with James is 
he's just got to be able to say, you know, it is what it is. You got to get back focused and dialed in. People tend to forget he still has two years left in his contract. So he can't he can't say he's a free exactly. agent. You know, the, the Rockets still have the rights to him. And in any trade, because I'm hearing trades that he wants to go to Philly, Milwaukee, Nets, whatever, you know, he's got to understand that Rockets still own you. You can't just choose where you want to go. So my, my, my question to you is, exactly. is there any team out there that legitimately has a chance to trade for James Harden and the Rockets gaining back whatever they want, whether that be assets or players or whatever? Uh, with that, I honestly, I don't think so. I think that uh, at the end of the day, there's going to be no trade that happens because you, like you said, James still has two years left in his contract. If they trade for, for James, if they trade James for someone, it's going to have to be something extreme. But, and then if you want to, tr- like, it, like speaking on the other, other teams, if they trade, like the things that they're going to have to trade for right. James is going to be crazy. And then I heard, like, uh, Philly was, like, uh, four first-round draft picks. Okay, you have to keep in mind, what are what what round does Philly get? Like, 20, first, like 20th round pick? Like, you, I don't know. I just don't think that it's going to happen because at this point, at you know, where James is in his career, where he is in his contract, I just don't think that there will be an equal trade that everybody's going to decide on, on both parties. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see very much trade value out there for James Harden that that asset that is because teams aren't just getting little to nothing back for these high-priced players. They're getting a huge number, huge margins, and 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 big-time assets back for superstar, superstar caliber, max caliber players. And it's not too much out there on the market for for James Harden on other teams. Other teams don't really have too much for him, but. You know, as far as Houston's concerned, what what is the overall setting for this team this year? Where do you see this? How far do you see this team currently constructed going then down the line, especially in the Western Conference? Um, I see them going pretty far, honestly. Um, like I said, I feel like we've been dominating the first two preseason games, and mind you, we were out three of our potential starting five. Um, so getting all those guys back healthy, you know, getting James back in the right mindset. Um, like I said earlier, I feel like this team is going to go further than they did last season. And I know last season it kind of got cut short or just dealt with weird because of COVID. But I really see this team, if everybody focuses in and invests on this team that they have right now, I see them going really far, um, definitely Very further than great. last season. Great, great, great insights there. This is a game that you're familiar with, so we won't play it with you because we played it already, Dre. So. I won't even bring that up, but we'll have a different dynamic on it with you here. Instead of playing and giving you scenario-type questions, we're going to give you and pick out of the two. So it's called overrated and underrated. We'll pick a player or a topic, and you'll say what you think about it. So I'll start off, and I'm going to say Joel Embiid. Overrated or underrated? Yeah. Are you asking me, <laughs> Joel Embiid? Um, I don't know. He's an amazing player. I, I feel like he gets the respect that he deserves. If anything, I would say um, interesting, interesting. Carl Anthony Towns. 
Ooh, uh, definitely interesting. Underrated. Why? Um, I don't know. I feel like he's a really strong player for them. I feel like um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's not in the media. I guess as many of the other guys, he doesn't get like the limelight that other guys get, like Giannis or of course James or LeBron. But I feel like he's almost the same level with caliber ahead, as them. Okay, I like this game. Um. I, I, as a as a I, he went players, I'm gonna go head coach on this one. As a head as a, as a head coach, Brad. Stevens. Oh goodness. <laughs> Over it. Oh. Oh, I, I, I knew it was a possibility, Savvy. Oh, <laughs> I knew. You're killing me. You're killing me. Hey, Savvy, I knew it was a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, might I remind you you're on our radio show? You cannot blasphemize my team's head coach. That's his team right there. No sell this Okay, but I want to know though. Why why you think Brad's team overrated though? What what's what's the reason? Um I think uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna keep those comments to me. Speaking my Andrea, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's all good. I respect that. I respect that. Okay, so let's let's go a little bit more um, urban culture here. Um, Kanye, Con- Kanye West. Oh my goodness, I have mixed feelings about him. I'm gonna say, I don't know. I'm gonna say underrated, just because I feel like he has a lot of haters. <laughs> He's really a, a very um, a diverse man. He has his hands in a lot of things, which I respect. So I'm going to go under. I do respect he held a concert in jail for inmates. That that was kind of cool. That he, that, that, that. <laughs> no, I thought that was unique. Sebi, that's, heavy. that's <laughs> why you're impressed. His musical catalog is just one of the greatest. So, yeah. He was a good guy. He was, he was good. Um, fashion sense. Um Tyra Banks. Um, honestly, I don't keep up with her. I wouldn't know either way. What you got, Mike? Based on longevity and where we are now in the fashion world, I would say a little overrated. Because I feel like we've evolved fashion-wise past that era that she was in. <laughs> but I like it's okay, like like okay. like like Dre a little bit. I wouldn't I oh, wouldn't definitely. know too much about that, but. I would say I would say a little overrated based on the times we're in right now. Yeah. Okay, so if, if we're talking strictly on, on fashion here, then Dre, you should probably know best than, than all three of us here. What about Russell Westbrook's fashion sense? Oh. Um I don't know. I mean he was on the he was on the team with uh guys like PJ, you know. Oh Lord. Um, this guy in love with PJ. <laughs> Shoe game is, is, is different. <laughs> Shoe game is elite. Um, Russ, I would have to go. I would have to go under. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, under. That's 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 <laughs> interesting. I I don't know. I he. he. It, he he's got he's got some drip, but there's some stuff that's just like way over the top that I don't know. How it yeah, it's the, yeah he definitely throws some stuff together that's definitely him. A lot of confidence behind those. So <laughs> you just got yeah you just gotta yeah chalk it up mm-hmm. to being Russ. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> how about how about okay? 
I like this. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm going to go back to music. Mm-hmm. You a, are you a hip-hop head? Me, okay, I got a good one for you. I got a good one for you. Let's keep it. Let's keep it Chicago. Lupe Fiasco. Ooh. Oh, Thank so you. oh yeah, Lupe's underrated. Lupe's. He's amazing. Lupe's underrated. Lupe's very underrated. Very underrated. Very underrated. Very very underrated. Um, what about? This is this is um gonna be interesting, but oh goodness, <laughs> you killing me already. <laughs> what about um Mac Miller? Mm. Rest rest uh, in peace, Mac oh Miller. Oh my goodness, yeah, he was he was my favorite all around. I love him as a man. Really, I think he's. I think even still to this day, he was definitely underrated for the talents that he brought to you know. I, I don't. Think- Really, in the, any industry. I don't think kids know how good Mac Miller was. Like he, he was, he was pretty good. Really, really good, really good. Definitely don't. Yeah, definitely don't. Just pure raw talent. I'm you don't find that movie. these days. I never, really. I never really got too deep into Mac Miller. Really, I did, but I, I heard. Oh my I heard goodness! You need to. Yeah. All of his old stuff. Everything was everything was authentic yeah. and raw and in like. A true, true. It was based off of true stories. That's what I respected about. Mm-hmm. Respected about Mac. He was, he was. Yeah, and he had Mac Miller in the most dope family. That was the best show ever. <laughs> okay. Nah. No, y'all don't know that nah, show. Nah, 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 nah. It was like a like a, a national <laughs> television show. Yes, it was on oh, MTV. Wow. that one, fella. <laughs> Oh, so so oh, if wow. you want to talk about MTV, then then fan. Bad Girls Club, because I know you watch bad. I know you watch you some Bad Girls Club. Sebi, no, <laughs> I actually have never. I was more like a basketball wise girl. Ooh, that was that was actually some pretty good drama too. That too. Yeah. Too. All right, back to the basketball here, because I think we're getting out of <laughs> out of time. Yeah, definitely yeah. off track. Um, Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Overrated, underrated. Um, I. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're still doing the game. Um, I'm gonna say underrated, but I feel like this season he's is gonna be like his like best like breakout mm. season. I really feel it. Mm. It's a combination like... of both. He, he he's shown inconsistencies where he can be a little overrated at times, um, especially where where the media put him uh, when LeBron first got there. But but there's also times in the playoffs in the bubble where he balls out and he looks like he's he's very underrated, and his value is, is really shown. So it could be a combination of both the times, depending on which Kuzma you get. Mm. Solid, solid answer. Solid answer. I got two more for you guys. I got two more. Trey Young. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, want me to go first? You 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 go. Oh uh, man, he's 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 yes, I would love he's very he. I want to say very. He's he's underrated, but he's starting to get his. He's really starting to get his his praise and his shine. He's a couple years away from being uh, really mastering his craft. So I would say he's a, he's a, he's slightly underrated um, because the Hawks' record over the last couple of years doesn't tell how good he's been for them and how electrifying he's been for them. So I'm gonna say a little bit underrated. I was gonna say on the very 
verge, if that's a thing, on the verge okay. of overrated. I mean, he's an amazing player, but I feel like, I don't know, sometimes the media can portray him as, I don't know, just overrated in my opinion. Mm, that's <laughs> interesting. I think he's very underrated. In, I, in fact, I think Atlanta's a team that will probably make the playoffs yeah. this year. I think. Oh, I think Atlanta's going to be an amazing team this year. Yeah, I think they're going to be I'm sad that they got Clint, but yeah. what can you what do? What can you do? Lastly here, this is the very controversial one. Mr. Ben Simmons. Mm. Mm. I'm going to say underrated. I think Ben is an amazing player. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think he over- Yeah, I ain't going to lie to you. I see where she's coming from. I see where I see where she's coming from. I see where you're coming from, but I think Ben's all, all you hear in the media is, you know, the fact that he can't shoot and how that affects him and how it hurts him in the playoffs, especially when teams get the key on him. But because you hear that so much, all you can do is shoot. That's all you really hear for the most part. Some people do forget the other qualities that he brings to the game and the other parts of his game. So I understand where she's coming from, but I ain't going to lie to you. When we see him, in, when we see him I, yeah. I stay overrated because of what he does in the regular season. And then we see him in the playoffs, and it's not the same guy. It, it doesn't have the same impact. So I will say a slightly, slightly overrated as well. But I see where she's coming from. I see. I have a different point of view on this because I've I've seen live uh, Ben Simmons since high school in Mount Verde Academy, located here, Central Florida, as you know, um, where we got all the good <laughs> prospects. But anyways, uh, he went out of high school dunking. I mean, this man was dunking everything. Like, it was the second coming of Blake Griffin. Like, I'm thinking this guy going to LSU, he's going to kill and everything. Next thing you know, I heard he's a point guard. And I'm like, okay, all right, I see you. I see you trying to pass like magic. Okay. So when he gets to the league, um, you know, at the time, there was a, a shift where, you know, the three-point shot was being a premium because of what Steph Curry was doing. So... Now, in today's game where you can't shoot, yeah, you're a good defender and you're a great ball handler and passer, but you can't shoot. And then he just gets all this praise because of his triple doubles and stuff. I don't know. I think he I think he overrated. I don't know. That's me. Ah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> translate to the playoffs. We see we've seen it too many times. Doesn't translate in wins either and titles. But we won't speak on that. <laughs> we won't speak on that. Today. Oh, goodness. Anyways. Maybe I should change my answer. <laughs> nah, you good. Anyways, Dre, it's always a pleasure having you on with us, uh, speaking Rockets ball and other stuff. Before you go, let everyone know where they can find you on all your platforms. Of course. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Um, Instagram at Dre Greg. D-R-E-G-R-E-G-G. No problem as well. And folks, we are going to go ahead and put in the description box her information there. So if you guys want to connect with Andrea and everything Rockets Ball, you can be up to date with that. And for myself and Mike, we're saying so long from now salute. inside of our studios in WNSC salute, Radio. Salute, salute to you, Queen. Good luck to you and your future endeavors. <laughs> Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a 
rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sevipodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.